You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's February 14th. About half of all U.S. states have policies that punish women for substance use during pregnancy. According to a recent RAND study, these policies fail to help infants or their mothers. In fact, states that have adopted this approach had higher rates of babies born with drug withdrawal symptoms, not lower ones like the policymakers intended. This research was led by RAND's Dr. Laura Faherty, a pediatrician who has worked with mothers and infants affected by opioids. She says that the rates of babies born with withdrawal symptoms are likely higher in these states because their punitive policies are actually pushing women away from the healthcare system and discouraging them from openly discussing their concerns about substance use. This approach mistakenly treats substance use disorder as a moral failing rather than a chronic medical condition that can be managed with appropriate treatment. As Faherty notes, we would never punish someone for having diabetes or epilepsy during pregnancy. And the fact is that the vast majority of women with substance use disorder during pregnancy struggled with addiction before they became pregnant. And most will continue to battle addiction after the pregnancy ends. So what are the policy alternatives to this punitive approach? A better strategy may be to focus on women's behavioral health needs and on improving access to family planning and substance use disorder treatment. Mothers and infants affected by opioids need evidence-based, family-centered, trauma-informed, and compassionate care, says Faherty, not punishment. And every pregnant woman deserves to get the help she needs so that she and her baby have the best chance to thrive. In 2017, a military coup toppled Zimbabwe's President Robert Mugabe after 37 years in power. Mugabe's successor, Emerson Mnangagwa, promised a new Zimbabwe. Has he delivered on this promise? New research by RAND's Alexander Noyes finds that Mnangagwa has fallen short both politically and economically. More troubling is that Zimbabwe is now in a downward spiral, fueled by runaway inflation and economic deterioration, unabated corruption and political polarization, and political violence at the hands of the state. To help this Southern African country realize its tremendous potential, built on rich natural resources and one of the continent's most educated populations, Noyce says that the United States and other international actors could offer support. A good starting point would be pushing the Zimbabwe government to respect its own constitution, allow for peaceful protest, fully repeal repressive laws, and hold security forces accountable for human rights abuses and the killing of unarmed civilians. The death toll of the coronavirus continued to grow this week, rising to nearly 1,400 as of Friday morning. As global health authorities address the outbreak, it's important to remember that this crisis is just one part of a broad public health preparedness challenge facing countries all over the world. A new RAND report examines this larger issue. In particular, the authors identify how the United States could strengthen its system of care for infectious diseases. The current system was developed in response to the 2014 Ebola outbreak. And while this system provides an important foundation, improvements and enhancements could be made. 
For example, establishing a brain trust of experts could help deliver advice to healthcare providers who are tasked with treating infectious diseases. Mobile teams of clinicians could be created too. These teams could be deployed around the country as needed during an outbreak. The U.S. could also enhance its air and ground systems for safely transferring infected patients. Finally, the authors of the study found that healthcare facilities and systems are not currently incentivized to increase their capacity to respond to rare but serious infectious diseases because there's no clear or immediate return on investment. This is why financial sustainability is also a critical part of improving the U.S. response to such threats. Over the past two decades, the United States has deployed an unprecedented number of federal government civilians to Iraq and Afghanistan. These civilians perform a wide range of tasks, from administrative support to diplomatic functions. As more civilians are deployed, increasing numbers are exposed to high threat environments and high levels of stress, which correlate to significant levels of deployment-related health conditions. A RAND report released this week examines what can be done to ensure that these individuals receive the support they need to reintegrate after returning home. The study outlines some important considerations for policymakers, including the fact that civilians who are deployed must actively seek reintegration assistance, but they often lack knowledge about what supports are available to them. And just like with U.S. Armed Service members, stigma can be a barrier for civilians seeking assistance when they get home. Additionally, individual agencies and both DOD and non-DOD federal agency communities need more insights about the size and the scale of the issues facing civilians who are deployed. More evidence-based research would help shed some light on these challenges. And agencies could also mandate exit interviews to better track civilians after deployment, and ultimately better understand their needs. Principals play a critical role in supporting America's 6.7 million students with disabilities. But do they have what they need to help these students succeed? Rand conducted a nationally representative survey of principals to find out. Only 12% of respondents said that they felt completely prepared to support the needs of students with disabilities when they began working as principals, and most principals, especially those in schools serving primarily students of color, said their schools could do a better job supporting students with disabilities. Principals in schools with more students of color also reported having less sufficient access to support for students with disabilities. More information is required to understand principals' specific needs in this area, but addressing the issue is certainly important. When principals and, in turn, teachers are better supported, they are better equipped to provide quality education and equitable learning opportunities for students with disabilities. Following the U.S. killing of Iranian Major General Qasem Soleimani last month, Tehran attacked two Iraqi bases housing U.S. troops. Rand expert Ariane Tabatabai says this probably isn't the end of Iran's response. The regime is likely to take further actions, probably covert actions, using its network of proxy groups. This would allow Iran to continue to challenge the U.S. while maintaining plausible deniability for its transgressions. Following her recent testimony before a U.S. House of Representatives Foreign Affairs Subcommittee, Tabatabai spoke in more detail about what Washington could expect from Tehran. Here she is. 
the United States is conventionally superior to Iran, but Iran does have a comprehensive toolbox at its disposal and a number of options where it can uh, that it can use to challenge the United States. Uh, that includes options in the cyberspace. Uh, for example, it can use this information and interference in the U.S. elections. Uh, it can leverage its proxies throughout the region to target U.S. interests, partners, and uh, and personnel and facilities. Uh, it can also use the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps itself to challenge the United States and target U.S. interests in, in the region. Uh, and of course, Iran has a nuclear program that has been capped by the nuclear deal, uh, but it can take actions to resume certain activities uh, when it comes to its nuclear program. Tabatabai goes on to explain how the Trump administration could avoid escalation with Iran and lay the groundwork for future talks. Although Tehran doesn't currently have much of an appetite for negotiation, it's important for Washington to be clearer and more coherent in its messaging, she says. Brand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.